Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast. Today, I am joined by clinical sexologist, Dr. Massimo Fontana. So excited to have him back here. I love getting into these juicy, juicy sex episodes because not only are they juicy, but they're also really, really important. And I am biased, but I think on these sex episodes that we talk about things that I just don't see being spoken about out there on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. I love the topics that Massimo comes up with. I love that we just have these conversations that I don't see happening in all too many other places. And today's episode is exactly the same. Today, we are talking about responsive versus spontaneous sex drives. And when I learned about this, it was like a huge light bulb moment for me in my own pleasure practice, in my own relationship, in my own life, present relationship, past relationships. So many things just started to make sense. So if you haven't already gone to listen to our episodes on high libido, low libido, and mismatched libido, head back into the catalog, go and stream that one as foundational listening before we get into today's one. And we also have a number of incredible PDFs to do with libido, particularly our pleasure playbook, which I have to say is one of the best PDFs I have ever created. It is such a fun journey to help you understand why you show up in the bedroom, how you show up in the bedroom, and your sex drive type is just one of the many things we cover in that. Massimo, I'm so happy to have you back once again. So responsive versus spontaneous sex drives. How are you? And do you think it's fair to say that there are different types of sex drives and libidos? It's amazing being back here. I'm super good. Thank you for asking. The simple answer is yes, I would agree with that statement and allow me to clarify it a little bit more. When it comes to sexual desire, there are two primary types we can consider that they depend on how you get turned on and initiate intimate interactions. Now, understanding which one of these categories you fit into can really help you understand how and why your frequency of sexual interactions show up the way that they do. And the nice thing of this is that it can also help you understand why the level of intimacy in your relationship may be mismatched or feel like it's lacking. Yes. And that was why I had this light bulb moment for me. It was understanding these different sex drives, which you're going to tell us all about, helped me realize, oh my goodness, it's not that sometimes in a relationship I don't want sex. It's just that I need the sexual experience to start in a certain way that basically then my body and my mind says, 
hey, yeah, like I am up for this. Like I'm excited. So you've mentioned that there are two types, the responsive and the spontaneous. I think let's start with the spontaneous sex drive, because I think that's the one that maybe many of us have already come into contact with. You know, the person that's like ready to go, always raring to go. Is that the spontaneous sex drive? That is correct. So when we're looking at the spontaneous sex drive, what this means is that you have this kind of sex drive when you tend to lead with your thoughts. These thoughts will be coming from a particular source. It can be internal or external. You may find yourself thinking about having sex and then suggesting it to your partner, but it also may come from an auditory or visual response as well. The type of sex drive that we're talking about is usually characterized by natural and instinctual desires for sexual activity that arise without specific external triggers. And when you're looking at this kind of sex drive, there's a general sense of being sexually charged with this kind of person. It's just a natural chargedness in general about them. So those with a spontaneous sex drive experience a lot of sexual thoughts, fantasies, in addition, a lot of urges without necessarily relying on any external factors. They have an internal motivation for sexual activity and are ready to engage in sexual experiences literally at a drop of a hat. There is a little bit of a misconception, and the misconception is, is that these individuals only think about sex, which isn't the case. But what I can say is that sexuality forms such a major part of their identity and their desire is to find expression through the flesh. And that just becomes their method of really expressing and meeting the world through their bodies. It's so helpful that you've explained like the spontaneous sex drivers. They're almost ready at the drop of a hat. They find themselves like thinking about it and then they want to do it and they're like, let's go. And The reason that that resonated so much with me is that this is not my sex drive. Whereas I have been with partners who 100% have this spontaneous sex drive. They're ready. They want to have sex now. You might be cooking and they might come up behind you and they just want to go. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I'm cooking. Get off me. I don't have that sex drive where, you know, sure, you might touch me and my body might be like ready to go, but generally it wouldn't be when I'm cooking or when I'm about to do a chore or a task or like I have to work or I'm in the work headspace. For example, this morning I woke up and picked up my phone and I turned it on and straight away I was in distress mode. There was like a couple of things that I had to deal with and my partner was there next to me and like, I just knew that he would love to be intimate with me, but he knows that once I'm out of that headspace, like it's never, ever going to happen. I had to get up, get ready for the recordings and solve the problems before we started recording. So this really helped me understand like, oh, people that I've been with in the past, they had a spontaneous sex drive. They were always ready to go. Understanding this has also helped me realize that it's okay if you are not always ready to go. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. So that's really interesting. And the other one is the responsive. So I'd love it if you could tell me a little bit more about the responsive sex drive and what that really means. There's a beautiful analogy before stepping into that that goes, when you meet someone, you're drawn to that person because fundamentally you want to learn something that you don't have within yourself. And what I've always noticed working with a lot of couples is that you'll often find a responsive sex-drived person and a spontaneous sex-drived person coming together. And a nice way of looking at what might be perceived as mismatched is actually, I've come together with this person to learn something about myself and actually balance out something and harmonize something that it becomes now a new skill set that I can actually have. 
And I think if people take that stance looking at it, it allows you to be a lot more forgiving when, like you were describing, your partner may be rearing to go at that particular moment, but you're a little bit more attentive to that and it allows you to pull yourself back, be a bit more centered within yourself. But jumping right in, a responsive sex drive, on the other hand, is when you may need to be physically turned on before your mind gets the signal and decides that you want to engage in any sexual activity. There's often the feeling that the individual may feel disconnected from their body and it takes time for their mind to catch up. This is potentially where we fall into a little bit of a trap questioning, are we okay? Is there something wrong with us? Is our sex drive fundamentally wrong? Which is not the case. And sometimes these kind of individuals with a low or seemingly absent sex drive fall into this category because they may not necessarily think about sex frequently and because of this, don't necessarily engage bodily with themselves very often. So there's a thought process that goes, they don't necessarily feel aroused or need to experience that type of pleasure. And this potentially falls into the narrative that they carry when they think about sex. And like we've discussed before, this actually forms part of their sex story. With a responsive sex drive, sexual desire and arousal tend to be more reactive and they're dependent on external factors such as sexual stimulus or the presence of a sexual partner directing the flow of a sexual relationship. So safety is also very important for this kind of character to be coerced nicely into that. However, once arousal is sparked, they can become completely interested and engaged in the sexual process. I like to call this person a slow burner because this type of desire can be awakened and cultivated through the appropriate conscientious circumstances, such as play before the foreplay, foreplay itself, intimate connection, deep communication and understanding, or just the initiation of sexual interactions by your partner in a very gentle, loving way. What's really interesting is that it's common for those with a responsive sex drive to reflect positively on their experiences afterwards. And what you'll usually hear is, wow, that was an amazing experience. We should really do that more often. But <laughs> they won't necessarily be the people initiating the experiences. This is why I am so happy we are doing this episode because you have just described me to a T. And it is so beautiful. I've never thought there is anything wrong with my sex drive because I know that I'm an inherently sexual and sensual person. That's been communicated to me by all of my previous partners. I know it myself. But what I also know is that I am not as obsessed with sex as some people seem to be. People always joke, would you give up food or sex if you had to give up one forever? And me and my best friend, we always joke, food would win every single time. That is not because I don't love sex. That is not because I don't love pleasure. That's not because I don't love intimacy. I do. I love it and it's a very important part of my life but I can survive without it. Why is that? Because I don't have the sexual thoughts that the spontaneous sex drive has. I think as well, I can get very stressed. I can work a lot. We've spoken about this before. It pushes you up into your head and takes you out of your body. So I am a responsive sex drive. But what you've just taught me there is that the responsive sex drive starts in the body and then signals to the mind. So I have learned in my relationship that I need to prioritize moments of intimacy because moments of intimacy with no phone, with no distraction, with no conversation, even just being close to my partner, that can spark the feeling in my body, which can then go to my mind and then can lead to an intimate experience. 
And I want to ask you as a clinical sexologist, like, why do you think it's important to understand which category you fit into? And is it an important thing to understand? Before I give that answer, another really nice analogy to think about is, is that if anybody knows anything about instruments, you have to tune your instrument before playing. And it's very seldom that you have an instrument that's tuned all the time. So I like to see the responsive sex drive as being very similar to an instrument. You have to take the time to tune it in so that it's going to give you the sound that you're needing. And that's the time that it takes for you to align with your body and get your mind in tune. And it's just a, a beautiful, different way of being. And to answer your question, it, it is important to know but understanding whether you have a spontaneous sex drive or a responsive sex drive naturally will help you navigate your own desires and, and help you communicate effectively with your beloved. That's one of the core principles. For me, it's essential to recognize that both types of sex drives are normal and valid. As you were saying that you or many other people with that kind of sex drive might feel that there's something wrong with you. The person with the spontaneous sex drive is also going to have those potential feelings and think, actually, there might be something wrong with me if I'm thinking about sex all the time. But another way of looking at it is, is that sex is your means of expression in life. So your question where you were saying about what would you rather have, food or, or sex, that is a hugely difficult one for me because it would have to be sex. And it's because it is that moment of feeling completely liberated and free within yourself. And it's not just about the sex. So it's a, met a method or means of expression. and. This also doesn't mean that we're fixed in one or the other, but with a bit of conscious conditioning, we can learn how to expand on our sexual pleasure so we become a bit of a hybrid of both. And it's also so important to remember when you're speaking about these subjects with your partner, open and honest communication with your beloved about your desires, boundaries, preferences, aftercare is so crucial for building a satisfying and fulfilling sexual connection and this is especially important if you're looking for longevity in the relationship. Yes. And in our pleasure playbook, we literally tell you how to have these conversations. We literally tell you word for word how to communicate with your partner. This is the sex drive type I have. And I've just learned about this. And I also think this is the sex drive type that you have. And we help you navigate these conversations so you can basically build a more consciously connected and intimate relationship. Because there can be a lot of frustrations if one person is ready to go at the drop of a hat and the other one's not. Like, I don't want to have a 10-minute quickie over my desk at 2 p.m. Like, no, I am in work mode. I just had lunch. But if you are a person that's like that, and if the other person is more responsive in their sex drive type, it's not that you don't want to have sex with your partner. It's just that for your sex drive type, that might not work for you. Now you've taught me about all of these things. I'm like, oh yeah, no one ever actually has a mismatched libido. They actually just have a mismatched sex drive type and or pleasure type and maybe both. The second that you understand these things and you learn how to navigate them, that is when you can meet in the middle and that is when you can build this incredible pleasure life, sex life, intimate life. That actually it wasn't mismatched at all. You just are two different, very bio-unique people that hadn't learned how your pleasure types work together, right? Absolutely. It's super important not to classify yourself in either sex drive function and instead understanding that as beautiful human beings with varying pleasure and biological cycles, at some moments we fit in both cycles. What is important to understand though is which type of sex drive dominates our intimate relationships as a result of two individuals coming together 
and learning how to harmonize with one another. I often speak about harmonizing, and that's a very, really good practice to try and introduce into your relationships. Whether we classify ourselves as responsive or spontaneous can also be driven by a variety of biological factors. This is one of the things that we speak about in the playbook as well. And what this includes is hormone cycles, understanding how men and women differ in terms of a 24-hour hormone cycle versus a 28-day hormone cycle. And by understanding this can help get a better grip of how one partner may seem to be more responsive, for example, when in fact their sex drive is really driven at that moment in time by their biology, not just the simple categorization that we're speaking about. Yes, I think we're seeing all the Pilates girlies like talking more and more about cycle syncing and like do this and work like this and exercise like this. They have some value in what they're sharing, but what they're not sharing is like how it impacts your sex drive. And so learning about that from you as well was really, really interesting. And it always reminds me when my mom was like, oh yeah, 30 years into marriage, you're basically only horny like at a certain part of the month. She also did not use the word horny. That makes me feel sick. She said something else. I don't remember what she said. And I never really understood what she meant. Like, you know, oh yeah, you're just like super aroused at some point. She also didn't say that. I shouldn't feel gross about my mom saying words like aroused and horny, but I'm just, just want to clarify that my mom's not walking around like shouting horny because she definitely isn't. Not that that would be a problem if she was, by the way. But yeah, my mum mentioned that and I was like, wow, like deals, you are way ahead of like the understanding of, of most people that actually, yeah, your cycle impacts your sex drive. So we cover that in the playbook as well, which is so interesting. You've also taught me that alongside your pleasure type, alongside your sex drive type, and alongside these cycles and the biological drivers of libido, that there's also different cues that work differently for different people that uniquely turn all of us on. So I'd love it if you could tell me a little bit more about these different cues. In a nutshell, everyone has different cues that turn them on. And a big part of getting to know someone is understanding these cues, which is why often the sex gets better over time because you start to understand these cues better and you start looking for them and reading them and interpreting them really well. A critical point for me to understand is when considering our unique sex drives, it's really questioning what type of person you are and what cues do your biology best respond to. That's one. So if we walk through the different types of cues, you have three fundamentally. The first one is kinesthetic. Second one is visual. And the third one is auditory. When we think about kinesthetic cues, these are when you are aroused by feeling things, physical touch bodily movements, physical experiences with yourself or with a partner. And this usually ties in nicely with visual cues. When we step into the visual cues, this is when you're aroused by visual stimulus related to sex, nakedness, movement, intimacy, or passion. And then the last one, as we mentioned, is auditory cues. And this is when you're aroused by auditory-based stimuli, things that you hear. This can be different sounds, perhaps your partner speaking, sultriness in their voice, a sexual audiobook, some kind of sexual meditation, or just music. And there's a really nice, I love this word, it's called oralism. And this is the term used to describe people who are aroused by sound. And then there's a little caveat towards the end, and we can all be a combination of all of these. I'm so glad that we're talking about this, because this is just stuff that we are not taught at school. We are never taught these things, ever. And I only learned this through you. And it was just, I found it so interesting because I am 100% a kinesthetic. That is my major cue. Like 
all someone has to do is touch my neck or like just hold me with a firm touch. Like I just, oh, I like the touch of a man. I just fucking love it. <laughs> like a strong touch. That for me is enough to get my responsive sex drive to turn on because my nervous system responds to the touch. I am much less of a visual. Like I don't look at a, a man and his willy thinking like, oh yeah, I'm turned on. I'm like, willies are so weird. Like that is, that is just, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't turn me on. I probably shouldn't be laughing, but it, you know, willies are funny things. Can I say that? Am I going to get cancelled for you, that? You can absolutely say that. <laughs> I, they, they are funny things. Oh my God, I've got a really funny story here as well. Oh, I'm really like putting my mum out to dry today. We have this like family joke that she bought my dad these like David Gandhi like sleep shorts because he just walked around with his willy out the whole time. And my mum's always like, unless, unless it's needed, I don't want to see it. Oh, it's funny. But that's, that's, you know, men, they just like, you know, like we said, boys are used to having their willy out, right? From the age of like one or two, you talk about it on all of our podcasts. Like my dad will be, oh my God, he's going to kill me. He's going to fucking kill me if he ever listens to this. That's like a funny story about, yeah, visual doesn't do it for me. And I'm also not really an auditory. That's not really me. I know that there's apps like Dipsy, which have like the sexual audio books. And I know that Dr. Massimo also has some sexual meditations that hopefully we'll be launching at some point. And I've done like one or two of those. I did this. I think I said once that I did this YouTube with this dominatrix man who was like telling me what to do. And I was like, okay, I like this. I like this. And it was an interesting experience. I had a fucking intense orgasm. It just felt a bit weird to be like doing a sex meditation with some random dominatrix man on the internet. But you know, I'm always up for trying new things. But yeah, for me, I'm predominantly the kinesthetic. But it's so interesting to see that other people might want you to talk. Some people always say when we're talking in the house, oh, I love it when he talks dirty to me. Why is that? Oh, because we're not ever talking about what are your cues. She'll be listening to this episode. I know she'll listen to it because she's one of our premium subscribers. And she'll be like, oh, that's me. I have an auditory cue. And in our pleasure playbook, we also talk about all of these cues and we have these big journaling exercises around how to help you identify which cues are relevant for you. The nice thing about these questions is that you can use the playbook just for yourself or with your beloved. And if we're going to think about the questions, one of them is, do I initiate sex or do I like my beloved to initiate sex? Does our relationship and intimate moments support spontaneous moments? or responsive ones. If my beloved doesn't initiate sex as much as I'd like to, do they perhaps have a responsive sex drive and I'm expecting them to have a spontaneous sex drive? Are these expectations communicated or spoken about? Do I sometimes reject sexual intimacy because I feel like I'm not in the mood, but actually I need to just give myself a moment to relax, drop into my body and allow space to receive pleasure? I know that we're just covering literally five questions here, but these are just some of the questions that are in our pleasure playbook. And trust me, once you go through them, you will be blown away by them. And once you've identified your sex drive style, you can then communicate that with your beloved and can take you to a different level where you'll start understanding things that, like you were saying before, no one has ever taught us about. And the whole idea is that you just have a mind-blowing experience when it comes to sexual intimacy. Yes, it's like this wedding cake analogy. When you start to learn about all these things and you start to understand your experience in each layer of the wedding cake, and then you start to create a pleasure practice that combines all of the right cues and the right activities and the right 
experiences on top of each other. That is how you can build an incredible sex life. And I think my final question for you here is, if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking, no, I'm not spontaneous and I'm not responsive. Like, I just don't feel these things and I don't want to do these things. What do you have to say to these people? Because you've also taught me, which we also go through in the PDF, is that you can have a detached pleasure type and a lot of sexual trauma can do that to you. So if, if someone is not feeling heard by these two sex drive types, what do you have to say to them? We fundamentally are born being sexual beings and society places so much pressure on us to try and perform and be these things that once you go through the pleasure playbook and the PDFs that we're putting together, you will understand that there are so many different nuances involved. But the most important thing is, is have you taken the time to create space for yourself and especially a safe space that you can start very gently exploring yourself to understand that you can rewire that if you want to. And I think choice here is something fundamental to you, that if you feel that you are asexual, if that is a term that you want to use, if you feel absolutely comfortable with that, there's nothing pressurizing you into having to follow this model because it is your life, it is your relationship with your sexuality. And if you feel that doesn't have a place in your life, that's perfectly fine too. But my urge to whoever is listening is to allow yourself that space to explore it just a little bit. Because once you do that, you'll start teasing out wonderful things that you didn't actually expect. I couldn't agree more. And post my ex-boyfriend, I had zero sex drive. I shut down totally. I was like so heartbroken and I started bringing up all my sexual trauma in therapy and I just felt nothing. I, I felt like I would prefer to just never have sex ever again. So I won't go into it now, but I just want to say that if that's you, like Dr. Massimo said, healing is possible and true intimacy and connection and pleasure, if you want it, is available on the other side of it. You can build a deeply safe relationship not only with yourself, but I promise you that there are safe people out there who will never pressure you to do anything that you don't want to do that will let you stop two seconds into sex, 20 minutes into sex, who will be aware of every move you make. They will see the tiniest tenses of your body and they will understand that you feel uncomfortable and that this is not working for you anymore. So I love you guys. Love you too, Dr. Massimo. Thank you so much. And I will see you next episode. Bye, Louise. Thank you. Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And we're the hosts of Seeing Red. We deliver intriguing, terrifying and dumbfounding true crime stories each and every week. With a focus on cases from the UK, we do occasionally venture overseas. We've covered everything from the mysterious death of professional footballer Emiliano Sala to the attempted murder of Victoria Sillias, a woman who fell from the sky and lived to tell the tale. Binge our bulging back catalogue and join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red.